1: welcome to it's all political the san francisco chronicles political podcast i'm joe Garofoli, the Chronicle's senior political writer and today we're talking about republicans and the lgbtq community gallup had a poll the other day that said for the first time a majority of republicans supported same-sex marriage what's changed here to talk about that today is one of the top Republican LGBTQ leaders of the country, Charles Moran. I've known Charles for years. He's a Southern Californian who's bi-coastal these days, spending a lot of time in Washington, as he's the managing director of Log Cabin Republicans. That's a longtime LGBTQ Republican organization. I thought Charles would provide a different perspective on these issues, one that runs counter to a lot of mainstream thought, not only among Democrats, but sometimes to folks in his own party. Before we begin, I want to add a, a quick note about something Charles talks about later on in the podcast. He mentions Andy Ngo, who is a controversial journalist and best-selling author whose credibility has been criticized by some on the left. And now, here's my conversation with Charles Moran. Charles Moran, from your home in Washington, D.C. to my home in Oakland, California, welcome to It's All Political. How are you doing?
2: Thanks so much for
1: having me on. Things are good. All right. So now you're in D.C. now, but you are a Californian. You're a Los Angeles resident.
2: I am. I'm a Californian. Um, My residence is still home. Home is San Pedro in the southern part of the city of L.A. And uh, my apartment is in Hollywood, where I've been living since 2005 when I finished my graduate degree at Pepperdine. And for the last couple of years, I've been doing the uh, Los Angeles, Washington, D.C. shuffle bouncing back and forth between the coasts.
1: And uh, one of the reasons for that, I mean, you're on the executive uh, committee of the California Republican Party, and you are the managing director of the Log Cabin Republicans. For those who are not familiar with what Log Cabin's all about, explain it to us.
2: Sure. The thumbnail sketch is Log Cabin Republicans is the nation's oldest and largest organization of LGBTQ Republicans, conservatives and our straight allies. Uh, The organization was initially formed at the behest of then Governor Ronald Reagan of California when the Briggs Initiative was seeking to ban openly gay people from teaching in public schools. Um, It had strong support from the Republican Party, uh, a good amount of support from the Democratic Party. But Ronald Reagan knew that this was something that was wrong. It was discriminatory and he wanted to oppose it, but he needed some backup. So from his long years being in Hollywood and the entertainment industry, he looked to his inner kitchen cabinet to um, the gays and lesbians who were a part of that and said, folks, I need you to come out of the closet. I need you to get visible. I need you to get active because I want to oppose this thing because it's the it's the right thing to do uh, for history. But I need some backup. So I need you to get activated. And that was really the birth of our organization. Flash forward to now. Uh, We're a national organization. We have a headquarters in Washington, D.C. with staff. We have 51 chapters in over 33 states. Uh, We have uh, a really strong organization in California with 10 chapters and an umbrella organization. Like you mentioned, I'm on the executive committee of the California Republican Party, the rules committee of the party. My profession has been being a a Republican Party fundraiser, Um, you know, the the those big rubber chicken dinners that candidates use to raise money for their campaigns. That is my background, but I've been openly gay since I came out in college and have worked for the California Republican party and done campaigns from the presidential level all the way down to city council across the state. And, um, but as a volunteer have been involved with log cabin and within the last two years have taken over management of the organization. Um, with our headquarters in DC. But again, home is still considered uh, legally and in my heart, uh, Los Angeles.
1: There we go, beautiful. (laughs) So I know there are gonna be many people wondering this question right now who are not Republicans or LGBTQ. They're gonna say, well, Charles, why are you a Republican? Well, the,
2: the easy answer is I, I really do believe in individual responsibility, personal freedom, small government, and a strong national defense. Um, I am very proudly gay. I have been living my truth. Um, I'm 40 now. So I think I came out when maybe I was 19 or 20. Um, and I, you know, went to college and, you know, one plus one equaled two in my mind. I've was physically attracted to men. I was emotionally attracted to men. I was gay. Um, but that didn't really change anything when it came down to my conservative principles. And because being gay doesn't have an effect on my views on, you know, overarching, you know, job-killing regulations that stifles creation, um, that prohibits people from working in gig economies, that, that you know, pushes forward things like the Green New Deal, which, uh, kills industry, and you know, there's nothing about my sexual orientation that has anything to do with those issues, and especially now where, when I consider the the Democratic Party going through the most massive exercise of intersectional Olympics that we've ever seen, um, it makes the case I- where I can be, you know, strongly. Uh, uh, dialed into my sexual orientation, but also be a strong conservative because I don't see those conflicts. If, if, and I tell conservatives this, I'm like, look, if you belong, if you believe in having the ability to control your money and to raise your kids the way you want to, and to be able to defend yourself the way you want to, it also includes letting you li- have your family be the way that is best suited for your life and be it to men or to women, um at the end of the day, if you really believe in you know, making those personal choices on how to best live your life and keeping the government out of it, you're going to support equality issues for the LGBTQ community.
1: Attitudes are changing among Republicans and we were talking about this the other day where I wanted to have you on and talk about this and other things. there's a recent Gallup poll that found out that 55 percent of Republicans were supportive of same-sex marriage. That's significant because it's the first time, ever in galps uh, measurements that uh, a majority of republicans have supported same sex marriage and the change happened very quickly i mean in 2017 only 40% of republicans supported gay marriage how did that happen so quickly i mean it's been a, it's been a, you know it's been a long time but it, but how, how did that over just a, a few years that that, that leap happen
2: Obviously, uh, change happens rapidly um, in society, but I do give a good amount of credit to the leader of the Republican Party during those times that you just cited. You had somebody like Donald Trump who, again, you know, defied conventional wisdom and was was one of the most unorthodox candidates that our country has ever seen, but, you know, putting the dogma aside, Donald Trump is not somebody who conforms to the normal stereotypical um, cookie cutter relationship of getting married to one person, having a bunch of kids, doing your business and, and, and moving on. I mean, he's had a an extraordinary life that's covered a lot of things. And one of the best things about him is he really helped um, get the Republican Party beyond the hang up around LGBT equality issues. Uh, this is somebody
1: he who said he was very very famously said in the uh, 2016 convention he said it was a big deal when he said lgbtq he said q correct
2: and that's is when that that's when we needed to start including the q was when uh we heard yes. donald trump saying it um in that speech so we've of course updated all of our messaging guidelines but one of the best things i mean again him him delivering that line um at his at the convention speech and you know, talking about discrimination and the and the the troubles that gay people face across the globe in terms of radical Islamic terrorism, were um, places where it's still illegal to be gay. I mean, right now in over sixty eight countries, it's illegal uh, homosexuality is illegal, and President Trump made it one of his policy guidelines to um, reduce and eliminate that number. But even before Donald Trump got up on that stage in Cleveland. He had a career of inclusion and equality. Um, when he was a businessman, you know, when he bought Mar-a-Lago, clubs down in West Palm Beach could discriminate against blacks, gays, and Jews. Um, and his, you know, at his club when he opened it, if you had the initiation fee, of course, was open to anybody who could who could pay the fee and and to be a member. And even when he was, you know, head of the Trump Corporation in New York, they had some of the first uh, non-discrimination and inclusion policies around domestic partnerships and civil unions. And it, it really just was... Um, just indicative of, of him as a businessman. And then when you look at him as a philanthropist, he was writing six figure checks to the Elizabeth Taylor AIDS foundation before it was popular to do fundraising for the HIV AIDS initiative and in the LGBT community. Uh, uh. So, I mean, he had a connection and he has told the story privately. Um, and I'm not going to disclose who he's told it to, but not necessarily publicly, you know, he was there at studio 54 in the eighties and he witnessed firsthand the HIV AIDS epidemic and wiping out a generation of New York's best architects and doctors and designers and lawyers and professionals. It did have a profound impact on him.
1: But why is there, but Charles, why is there a, still a disc? There seems to be a disconnect because the party's official platform is uh, they oppose same sex marriage. It says, I'm reading from it, traditional marriage and family based on marriage between one man and one woman. Is the foundation for a free society and has been mill and has for millennia been entrusted with rearing children and instilling cultural values we condemn the supreme court's ruling and uh what's the disconnect there? well in, in your reading from
2: the 2016 platform before he was even the nominee and that platform was um, very much largely drawn by Ted Cruz's supporters who had a very, very organized convention presence. And it's publicly known that, you know, Donald Trump's, you know, walked into the nomination by the Republican Party and did not have this type of relationship with the party structure that they typically would have assumed that that platform was regressive. It actually got worse in 2016 than it was in 2012 because we only are allowed to revise our party platform every four years. And then in 2020, we didn't have a platform. There is no such thing as the 2020 yes. Republican Party platform. <laughs> we because we with coronavirus and what ended up happening, and there were actually stories written, by the Washington Post and Politico, how President Trump basically said, that's not my platform. I don't agree with that. I mean, the the Republican Party platform nationally is some 62-page document that has a lot of things about a lot of issues. And Donald Trump did not agree with a lot of those. I think most Republicans probably don't agree with a lot of things. I mean, there's lines about bobcats. Famously, Paul Manafort inserted some things about Ukraine. I mean, the language is archaic. And... Donald Trump did express, and this is in the public record and you can search for it, that he was not happy about that document. I mean, he even talked about shrinking it to a two-page narrative or even just a one-page,
1: 10-point I, statement. I think that would principles. be a good idea for, for all platform documents, uh, not, just, not just the Republican platform. Yeah, but we got down to the point where Donald Trump was not happy.
2: There, there is no such thing as a 2020 platform. He was not in control of the 2016 platform, and that was one of the biggest Um, you know, looking back because I was a delegate to what would have been the 2020 convention was we really had an opportunity to radically change the platform of the party to make it modern um, in a way that it had never been done before. And the only person who could have made that happen was Donald Trump. And unfortunately, that was now a missed opportunity.
1: So what do you say to folks who, you know, LGBTQ folks who may be open to uh, you know, becoming Republicans or or, or or supporting Republicans, but they you know they remember just the years of of, uh, of not only candidates and, and and office Republican office and holders uh, opposing marriage, but uh, you know they backing conservative religious leaders who had uh, who opposed marriage. What what do you say to them?
2: History is an arc. Different people get to it at different times. Um, I know that obviously, in the, you know the two thousands, there was a lot of animosity around George W. Bush and you know the constitutional bans on gay marriage. But let's not forget that the yeah. decade before that was somebody named by the name of Bill Clinton who was signing the Defense of Marriage Act into law, yes. who signed Don't Ask, Don't Tell into law. Um, so there is an arc of history where where a lot of people and a lot of candidates get up to speed and. The other thing is, there is a broad definition of what it means to be supportive of the LGBTQ community. Um, you know, we're seeing this year just an explosion of corporate America. You know, everything needs to be a rainbow, everything
1: has to be purple. You're talking about for for Pride Month, which we are when we we're recording this as uh, the la- latter stages of Pride Month. You're you're saying the cor- corporate corporatization of Pride. I think that's that's almost the universal people uh, pushing back on that. Right. And what, what's your, what's your take on that?
2: Well, even beyond just the pushback, but there is a, there's a greater sense of awareness now. And you've got the party, move. the party's moving in one direction. Um, you know, I, I've, I've noticed that Congresswoman Ayanna Presley is got a, a call out campaign for, you know, all these corporations that are choosing to be, you know, toting their pride and changing their logos to rainbows and Sponsoring a table at the HRC dinner or whatnot, but they're still, you know, giving a lot of money and time to what they perceive to be anti-gay Republicans um, here in Washington D.C., which is kind of entertaining. So it, it really does ask, what does it mean? Um, what does it mean to to support the community, um, and what is even the community? And, and to your point, the pushback on Pride. Um, it's really easy to, you know, take your logo, wash it through Photoshop, and put a rainbow treatment on it but it's more than that. Um there are a lot of identity politics going on in this country right now and we see, you know, in my perception, the Democratic Party continuing to wage battles blacks against latinos against asians against women against transgender against gays against lesbians. Um you know, in my Republican Party, uh, you know, we're we're a unifying message and I see on the the progressive left it's just constant victimization pitted against more victimization. And when you see corporate America, who is demonstrably trying to be supportive of diversity and inclusion, um, just throwing money at the LGBT left, or what we call gay ink, doesn't do it. Um, There's got to be more walking the talk than just buying a table at the big city banquet. It's got to be about hiring. It's got to be about um, diversity of political thought and what we've even seen in the last election is that conservative voices are being canceled. Gay conservative voices are being canceled, and you know the, what we call the cancel culture.
1: When you say, "Give me, give me an example of when you say a gay conservative voice is canceled,"
2: you've got people like Andy No, who was, who is one of the country's preeminent scholars and writers about uh, antifa. Um, he's a gay conservative and he's been viciously attacked and and silenced by a lot of people in, in, in the media for calling out the danger of Antifa. And, you know, as his work was relating to some of those movements grafting onto the BLM riots last last year.
1: But do you think he was called out because of his, uh, because of being LGBTQ or because of his political views? Um,
2: uh, they're, they're in some ways one and the same, because when you're gay and a conservative, you counteract that narrative that gay, that the gay left tries to push out that, you know, if you're gay, you have to be a victim and you've got to be a Democrat. And if you experience and express free thought and free speech outside of that narrative, you are dangerous. Um, even this so week one know, of the most know. prolific gay conservatives on Instagram his name is David Leatherwood and he goes by broke back patriot that's his thing um just for no reason his Instagram account was canceled today he had over 100,000 people following him one of the most influential gay conservative meme people on Instagram canceled for no reason his his account deactivated no no recourse um we're seeing things shadow bans content being suppressed by the quote unquote algorithms but then we come to find out that oh wait there were staff memos about how we need to suppress the thought and when you look at the amount of money that employees of Facebook and Google are giving to democrats versus republicans and when you know these these things are foied when there's lawsuits and depositions, and we really realize the insidious nature of big media on how they're silencing these voices, it's really dangerous. And that's why there's a conversation about FCC Section 230 about, you know, releasing, you know, the the immunity that some of these companies have, um, that they really could be sued um, for that type of of discrimination.
1: We'll have more of my conversation with Charles Moran after this short break. And now, here's more of my conversation with Charles Moran. I want to go back and talk about um, uh, we we talked about the the way that the Republican Party or Republican Republicans have evolved on marriage. Do you do you think that the uh, Republican Party is, if you will, or Republicans have quote unquote gotten over marriage? Uh, you say you you still have uh, you still face some discrimination in your own party, the Texas, Texas Republican Party won't let the log cabin have a booth, um, what, what are some of the challenges you're facing still, you know, even as attitudes have changed?
2: I think that you know, as there is a lot of regional diversity in this country around attitudes and culture, um, you know, the, the, the mores that come out of New York and in Los Angeles and the big cities are not the ones that always necessarily exist in small communities. Um, and in small communities, again, but one of the best things that I, I love about America is just you may have more permissiveness and acceptive, acceptance in some of the big cities, but what you have in these smaller communities is acceptance. Um, you have relatability, you've got community. So, you know, it's really sad when you see these you know, TV shows that are clearly being driven by narratives generated from Hollywood and San Francisco and New York and DC and Boston that are just dismissive of, of small town, that it's almost, it's almost backwards. Um, We still definitely have challenges. We have, the Republican Party and the conservative movement has absolutely grown with acceptance by leaps and bounds. And it's done that with not just the LGBT community. I mean, women and I mean, President Trump's campaign did an unprecedented, black voter turnout in this last election and broke some serious records. I mean, Latino men voting for Donald Trump was higher than it's ever been before. I mean, it's
1: It's higher, but still, still predominantly Democrat. It's still predominantly
2: Democrat, but there was serious growth. And again, we're not going to turn everything on a dime. Uh, Yes. You know, the Texas Republican party won't even let log cabin have a booth um, at their state convention, which is ridiculous. Um, And, I, we're trying to get through to some of these holdouts.
1: Is the holdout still based in religion, or is it based in culture, or is it age? Uh, you know, because well, let's face it, most people under thirty uh, don't don't care. Even evangelicals, poll, polls say that. Even conservative evangelicals, they don't they don't care about stuff. Yeah, conservative ev-
2: ev- evangelicals, young, young conservative stuff. evangelicals care more about literacy and clean water globally than they do about the scourge of you know uh gay marriage and gay rights so i and i i i I, I do i'm i will be the last person i do not scapegoat religion for any of this i mean there's a lot of cultural conservatives who just they don't want to see the change um but a lot of them some of them they just don't know gay people they've not had the experience to sit there and think about you know, what do we have more in common than what separates us? And I just always remind them of of Ronald Reagan's um, 11th commandment, you know, don't speak ill of another Republican, but even more his quote of 80% my friend is not 20% my enemy. And in states where we've really worked with conservative leaders to understand and actually done the work, you know, walk those precincts, knock those doors, made those fundraising phone calls, um, go to those cocktail party fundraising receptions you know when we demonstrate and live our values it's really hard for those forces on the right who want to exclude us to ignore our contributions and i you know in california we fought a very long battle to try to get log cabin recognized by the california republican party and a lot of people were even just shocked that we we didn't we weren't recognized and we we were finally recognized in 2015 after a 20 25 30 year battle trying to do that
1: wow yeah i remember once that, it yeah.
2: happened it was kind of like oh well, that was anticlimactic it was like why don't you do it, this soon it
1: was well let's talk about i want to talk about transgender issues because right now that's sort of that's the the next frontier i think for for a lot of america uh right now 66 percent of the public uh is okay with allowing uh, openly transgender men and women to serve in the military uh, forty-three percent of Republicans. That figure hasn't changed every year. Um, and then we've seen, you know, dozens of anti-transgender laws, uh, transgender right laws uh, proposed by the Republican Party across the country. What would it take to move the the GOP in a similar way on on trans issues as it as it has come uh, uh, on marriage?
2: I think that some women's rights groups would not. Agree with your characterization of that. These are quote not anti-transgender laws. These are what we've seen over the last couple of months um, has been a concerted effort, and in some ways, you know, it's a very relevant issue. In some ways, it's not um, about you know trans sports issues, and you know, can biological mm-hmm. men who are who have you know post-transition who are now biological females compete? In sports, um, what is what is it, it really is a larger convers- a lot of
1: those are a solution in, in search of a problem.
2: Yes, um, and I we are very much paying attention to the people who are introducing these pieces of legislation. Uh, once again with your these are solutions in search of a problem. Um, and what I worry about is a as a conservative leader in our party's movement for equality. Um, And broader representation is, you know, are the people who are pushing these things, do they really care about these issues or are they just looking for an excuse to like twist the knife because they know they lost, they know they lost on gay marriage. Um, And that's really what it is. So I don't see this as much as this massive backlash on specifically on trans issues, they found something that resonates and they're taking advantage of the situation, which is really unfortunate because, you know, the trans community is obviously one that faces a lot of challenges. And, and we as an organization, you know, and there's a lot of conversation even within, you know, the, our own community and this is beyond the partisan labels because LGB is sexual orientation T is sexual identity it's gender identity. those are different things. I am very gay but I am also very like certain that I am a man and there is no conflict there. so you know it it, it we have been all put together in one thing but they are very different things. Um, but that said, it means we're not we are not walking away this organization and our movement is not walking away towards um trans rights issues because again it's it's a it's a minority group that needs to have, equal access under the law.
1: Yeah. What sort of things are you doing in that, uh, in that vein?
2: You know, again, there's, there's equal access to healthcare. There are um, protections against, you know, for employment, for equal housing. Um, Those are things that generally conservatives can agree on that, like, you you shouldn't be fired for being trans. You shouldn't lose, you know, your, your access to um, public accommodations because you're transgender. Um, You shouldn't be fired from your job. These are, you know, there are some very basics here that you know, we're never gonna walk away from that um, because it's the right thing to do. But the problem is, is when we start getting into some of these gender issues. And then again, one of our big problems is the Equality Act because that again, we see is almost a, a solution in search of a problem. Um, really a serious redefinition of the concept of gender in society. And um, it, it's really a, a method of social engineering. And the left is going to sit here and say there's so much inequity that still exists in society and we need to deal with all uh-huh. of these things. But just uh, fundamentally, I mean, again, gay marriage, property, uh, there are so m- gays and lesbians are experiencing a level of freedom and equality that has never existed before in in society and 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 just even watching you know the hrc trans spokesperson charlotte climber literally said that you know there are play you know iran is is better to be trans than some places in america and that is just factually not true and what we're seeing is the left continually trying to create this division and stoke the fears that just don't exist I'm not saying that there are there are not challenges that trans people still face, and they they are absolutely out there. But things like the Equality Act, you know that are that are trampling on very serious considerations around religious freedom and and freedom of choice. And today there was a um, a decision that came out from the Supreme Court that was unanimous, nine zero that pushed back on some of the the overarching restrictions, you know, against religious freedom. Um, you know, the Dems can make all the court-packing arguments they want here, but, you know, a unanimous decision saying, like, look, there are limits to this.
1: Yeah, no, where, where do you think that the, um, what you alluded to a couple of minutes ago about, uh, you know, there's still ways to go. Where do you think, where, what rights do you think still need to be broadened for LGBTQ folks? What, what do you think still, the movement still needs uh, to, to gain from your perspective?
2: my focus is actually more on the international side um I want our oh, talk I, 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 I want our talk in America or excuse me I want our walk to reflect our talk um we are still supporting countries with our us f- um foreign aid that will uh punish people for being gay
1: like it give us throw throw us a couple uh you
2: know a, a host of countries in the Middle East I mean it can be anything from public execution. I mean, there's like seven countries that will just execute you for being gay. Um, In the Caribbean, there are still some laws, like sodomy laws. Um, You know, some of them are not enforced, but they're still on the books. Places in in Africa, Samoa, I think has got one. Um, Actually, my log cabin chapter in Colorado, every day of Pride Month has been uh, putting up a graphic that goes into detail on one country in the world um that has an insidious um anti-gay existence law. um you know we're, we're we're sitting here, you know, the gay left in America is sitting here arguing over the proper use of pronouns when we still have countries that are executing people for being gay. I mean th- that that level of disconnect, you know, in, in people, I think what it it just boggles my mind that um you know some of these groups are going to sit here and continue to pander to this woke um liberalism when we there are still major challenges for our gay brothers and sisters overseas
1: but but in this country what what do you think the challenges are do you, what challenges do you still feel that there are
2: you still have levels of 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 Implicit discrimination. Um, there are some places where, again, you can be discriminated against in housing, and it—I it, mean, it may on the books obviously be you know illegal, but it's still happening. So that's part of the question of okay, what do we need to do to help um, change the culture, promote understanding and inclusion, and it's got to be something willing. It can't be forced. And again, that's where I see so much of with this, you know, the capitalism movement and all these corporations who are let's slap a rainbow on our logo, but are they really doing anything?
1: But they, but they have a different uh, logo in, in a different country. They would never put that logo on in, in one of these countries. And they because, don't.
2: Uh, and that was one of the memes that them. our organization put out was literally side by side comparisons between yeah. the the Western. I'm not even going to say the American. The Western you know, acceptance with with pride things and then where they do it in other countries. I mean, it's just straight up, they're, they're pandering for the money. And I mean, I'm not going to blame them for it. They're corporations. This is what they're supposed to be doing. But if anybody thinks that this is genuine, they're drinking their Kool-Aid.
1: What, how, let's talk about, uh, what I want to say, I want to ask you about was, uh, you're, you're close with uh, Richard Grinnell. He's the former ambassador to Germany, former acting uh, director of national intelligence for uh, uh, former President Trump. He's also a Californian who is uh, mused about running for the recall. Um, given the way the, the, the where the party's at now, we've seen this progress we discussed. We've seen that the, the not the progress uh, towards uh, perhaps towards transgender folks. Uh, uh, could could an LGBTQ candidate win in California? Republican win in California? I, I should say, and I should say, Grenell is a, a gay man. I should. Uh,
2: that out. rick is a gay man and you know i just i also and if rick chose to run um it would be a um a, a, a an embarrassment of riches for us um and i would i would welcome it because we'd have somebody who's an openly gay man and with Caitlyn jenner running we'd have inarguably the world's most prominent transgender individual um and that's the california republican party and i love it because it really shows the diversity of our movement, when you can have, I mean, inarguably, if 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 Rick and Caitlin were both running, the number one and number two most high-profile candidate would be LGBTQ. And I love it. Um, And that exists in the Republican Party the, t- today. And that gives me hope. The Republican Party I know in California would support um, a freedom fighter like Rick, who, when he was overseas, was so... Vocal about holding our foreign partners to account to the accords that they had signed to just keep up with the type of spending that the American people are doing for NATO for their NATO dues, Um, and trying to preserve um, independence with you know Rick's advocacy to stop the Nord Stream Two pipeline that would that is going to uh, now under uh, President uh, President Biden put Western Europe under the thumb of the Russian um, gas company it, it's absolutely ridiculous and then again when Rick came back to America and became the acting director of National Intelligence and in three short months <laughs> exposed the duplicity that was going on in our intelligence services and and you know released so much data about what had happened in the 2016 election um that's what Rick is famous for and that is what he has done as a service and he happens to be gay and Caitlin Jenner um you know small business owner, Olympian uh you know raised a family in California you know raised multiple families in California
1: <laughs> yes we've watched we've all seen it and
2: and yeah and, and we've all I literally we have all seen it. it'll be we, we've, we've all seen it yes and you know but and it, it happens to be transgender and is living her her truth and and, and, and there's all these accomplishments and, you know, people aren't voting for Caitlin because she's trans and they wouldn't be voting for Rick because he's gay. These people have done amazing accomplishments in their life and they happen to be gay and it informs who they are. And if they were all, if they were Democrats, you know, just like they did with like Pete Buttigieg running and it was just kind of like, Oh, well, there's the gay candidate, you know, and they happened to have been mayor of South Bend, Indiana. But if you look at people like Rick and Caitlin and, um, you know Carl DeMaio in San Diego, who's a huge leader. Yes, I mean, he's a, he's
1: a reformer, and he happens to be gay. Do you think it's easier for for these folks to run in California uh, now that the party is very Trump friendly and is you know this is less of an issue? Do you think it's it's easier now than it might have been you know five years ago, even though ten ten years. Ago? Yes, I I just you know
2: we 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 got a little bit of a late start tonight because I was having a drinks meeting with a. Um, gay candidate who's potentially going to run for Congress as a Republican in um, in Ohio, who's a veteran as well. Um, I just celebrated the election of a town mayor in Maryland, who's one of my gay Republicans. And that was preceded by the election of a town selectman in Massachusetts by a gay Republican in his 20s. I mean, I am so excited about the prospect of these people being able, you know, th- these aren't just like, oh, I'm you know, Rick Grinnell in my 50s or Caitlyn Jenner in her age bracket running. I mean, we've got young people who are inspired and are now benefiting from the opening that Donald Trump created in the Republican Party for people like this to be electable and to be supportable by old guard or mainline Republicans. This did, did not exist before Donald Trump.
1: Right. But one more thing about Trump, and I, and, I, and I get what you're saying, but didn't he also, you know, do the ban of uh, trans folks in the military? Um, what, not not a not not a
2: not a single person was discharged from the U.S. military for being
1: transgender. Mm-hmm. Um, you so was can that be, like a just a was that a just for uh, like a political move? Do you think or do you think that was really a concern? Doesn't a really. I mean,
2: role. but you, you know, you just said a trans ban. There was no ban on transgender people in there. Nobody got kicked out. Sir. Um, you know, there is there a ban on flat-footed people or people with asthma? I mean, it's there are a list of conditions for people to be, you know, who who can't en- enlist in the military, having flat feet, having asthma, people with serious. Diabetes, who need insulin, people who are going, th- who are starting that process um, of, of transitioning or are coming out of it because they require a lot of care, um, you know, and, and we as an organization opposed, you know, those restrictions. So I, I, mm-hmm. I'm not saying that we agree with it, but I'm saying the way that people have have articulated it is just not true. There were not a single. Per- How can you call it a ban if not a single person was actually kicked out of the military for being transgender? It's not a ban. And, and this is, the, the left in this country is actively lying about what the truth is behind it. And again, you can, you can disagree with things, but be intellectually honest. And that's where we are in law cabin. We disagreed with the president's policy on that. We, we vocalized that. We came out publicly and said it. We opposed that policy. But we're being intellectually honest about it. And unfortunately, that's not where the left in America is, and certainly not gay ink.
1: Okay. Charles, Rand, thank you so much for taking time to be on It's All Political. And uh, we, will, uh, we will talk soon, I'm sure, in all those familiar places.
2: Great. Thank you so much, Joe.
1: I'd like to thank you all for listening and hope that you and your friends and your family are safe and healthy. I'd like to thank Charles for joining us today. I'd like to thank Karen Creighton for producing today's episode. And a shout out for a theme music that you're listening to right now. That's Cattle Call. It's written by Randy Clark and performed by Randy Clark and Crow Song. Until next time.